The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Kia ora koutou. Welcome to Paper Cuts. This is the podcast all about books. You are with myself, Gina Todd, and... Karen Das. Louisa Cossa. And if you want to find us online, you can... <laughs> on on the interwebs uh, at papercutspod for Twitter and Insta and you can email us at papercutspod at gmail.com Woohoo. So today on Papercuts uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going Today on Papercuts, we're going to ad- address a complaint we received recently mm-hmm. Someone hit up our email address yeah. It was pretty cobwebby in there <laughs> um, We've got a wee bit of book news for you We've got some book reviews Some not books, books review Not books reviews Not, not books reviews Yeah, yep. not yep. books reviews And we just want to let you know what are on our to-be-read piles mm. So, um, yeah, this complaint, I, I admit that my stomach dropped when I saw a complaint <laughs> in, the, in, the subject in, line. in the subject line. My TBR pile has grown exponentially since tuning into your fine podcast, What to Do, Sincerely Middle-Aged Woman. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Aww. Do you have advice for getting through the TBR pile, guys? I really don't. I'm like struggling with my TBR power right now, and I hope that makes me seem relatable Mm, and not just like a total flake. I'm on top of it, you know. Like no, (laughs) it just grows by the day, doesn't it? Yeah, you know. Think, damn it, because and you're a big library user, Louisa. You have all your requests come at the same time. It can get real stressful up in here. Like (laughs) you're just like getting all these emails from the library, like, and if you don't pick it up, it'll be a two dollar (laughs) fine. I'm just like, no, I'm already at ten dollars on my account. Yeah, I'm at two dollars. I never pay it. Um, I try. I'm trying to set some silent, sustained reading, sustained silent reading time. On Sunday mornings. Mm. Oh, because I was messaging you, and you were like, right. Gonna do my SSR now. Yeah, true story. It's like, um, Where does that term come from? Is that a school? It's like from school. school. Remember sitting on the mat. Remember oh, right. sitting on the mat. Yeah. Doing a... I think we, we just called it too. silent reading. We didn't say sustained. It was probably too big a word. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have understood it. But that's my thing. And one thing that I'm trying to do is, you know, lots of people talk about this is trying to spend less time scrolling on your phone. Oh, the endless empty scroll. But what I'm trying to do is actually keep it in another room or in the hallway, but put the sound on. So if something, because because of my work, I have to be in contact with people if they need me. Yeah. So I put the sound on. So I only get up if the sound goes yeah. off. Yeah. Which is actually a much better approach than, than having, having it always it on, on you. And on silent. Yeah. Because then you're kind of com- compelled to check it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's genius. I think actually just scheduling in some time is really good. Mm. Um, I guess another tip would be if I ever have any small portable books, I tend to chuck them in my handbag. Always. And then you just have something for when you're like waiting for your gym class to start, which is not at all a weird look to be reading in the gym. I do that too. Yeah. 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 I always have about two books in my bag, apart from today for some freakish kind of reason but always have more than one book in my bag everywhere yeah. I go uh, my boyfriend picked up my tote bag the other day and was like what have you got oh, no. in here it's, it's so heavy there's nothing worse than when someone unexpectedly carries your bag and yeah. just like oh my so god don't and it like drops to the floor because yeah. it's so heavy I've got lots of lipstick in there as well so oh, yeah. Yeah. lipstick and books that's a good mm. combo mm. That's kind of what we're all well, about. Well, I hope that helps middle-aged women. It mm. probably doesn't. Yeah. We're all we're all we're in the, the struggle together. Yeah, I know. 
I know. And thank you for writing in. If mm. anyone else has any questions, comments, or complaints. Yeah, I actually like this flavor of complaint. Yeah. I would like to point complaints out. That are, <laughs> complaints that are actually compliments only, please. Yeah. <laughs> no genuine complaints will be addressed. So we've got some book news today. We're a little bit light on book news, eh? Yeah. We are a bit. Yeah, we're, we're just more being straight up honest. We're just being, we're being an entertainment podcast today, yeah. not an informative <laughs> one. Should I um, mention the members the members plug now? Yep. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Um, so most of you may have heard, if you're a spin-off fan, that the spin-off has launched a brand new initiative and to have a, me- a membership system. So you can pay whatever you like and you will be a member of the spin-off. And so that helps facilitate the most important and hard-to-fund journalism and support the hiring of more journalists. And we all love the spin-off, so that's a good thing to do. To keep this up with the book news is that if you can contribute over $80, you'll receive a copy of the spin-off's inaugural book. Woohoo! What can you tell us, Louisa, about oh, the book? Be- I don't know what I'm allowed to say about the book. Um, like I genuinely don't know <laughs> if I'm allowed to talk about the book. What I will say is that it has some really, really great classic pieces from the spin-off from over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a multimedia book. It has um, some of the great collages. I believe it has some art by t- a certain Tina Tiller <laughs> inside oh. it. Um, so I it, and it's got a really great cover done by um, by Toby Morris. Um, yeah, so it's it's actually also huge. Mm. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it's Can you long. say how many pages? I feel like it's like around 400 pages. Ooh. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Said the person who works in publishing and has no oh, idea. I can't wait books. to see it. I mm. feel like a little bit of an insider because, well, not really, halfway to an insider because remember we came in to record a podcast and, <laughs> and your boss was I had here. caught a, bo- a lift in with my boss who was working on the book. I was like, can I just hop in the car? I promise I won't come into the book meeting. <laughs> I was like, you can come into the book meeting, you weirdo. <laughs> you told us you didn't know why she was there. Did you actually know? Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, wow. Oh, I so lied to your face. <laughs> I genuinely thought you didn't know. I, I've I've lost all recollection of this day, to be honest, but I assumed that I lied because I didn't know why she was there. <laughs> I can't believe I successfully lied. Yeah, I. Did you believe Louisa? Yeah, I did yeah. believe her. Sweet. Mm. So, just um, if you need more info to <laughs> yeah, become anyway. a member, visit thespinoff.co.nz forward slash members. Whoop whoop. Okay. Um, and in other book news, um, so you guys both went to an evening with Arundhati Roy. I did not go. You didn't go, Gina. No. I thought you were going to. Jenna had something else on that night. I actually had um, nothing on. Oh, no, that's right. You And I always have something on. Jenna needed an evening of nothing. Yeah. Jenna needs some Busy lady. Time. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I went to the Yay. event. Yay, okay. Yes. Thank An goodness evening. someone went. <laughs> <laughs> An evening with Arundhati Roy. Uh, it was a special Auckland Writers Festival event at the Victory Convention Centre. And it was just wonderful to see such a brilliant, sharp political thinker and writer. And it was just a real shot in the arm. Um, And it was really great to see such a wonderful turnout. There was just such a diverse audience um, of around at least a thousand people, I would say. And it was just a really bracing, ear clearing um, session. And there were just so many great quotes. I just kind of had all these great quotes swimming around in my head afterwards. Um, You got one? I've got about three. All right, <laughs> tell us. It's here. There's no censorship on fake news. The past is unpredictable. 
and flags are like shrink wrap on your brain. Mm. So I think these are such great events that the Auckland Writers' Festival can put on and we're really lucky to have them. So, yeah, I recommend supporting them when you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad you got to go. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't go because I was on holiday. Yeah. (laughs) Another not good excuse. (laughs) (laughs) But to make up for it while I was on holiday, I read Mm. her debut novel, which Mm. I will be speaking about later. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) Don't drop out. Yeah, don't drop out. (laughs) I never even considered that people might. Um, Do we have any more book news? Well, coming up uh, in a few weeks is the New Zealand Mm. Book Awards for Children and Young Adults. It's on the 7th of... August in Wellington. And you're going down. Yeah, I'm going down. I'll get to see. I think it's dressing colourfully and (laughs) there'll be some wine and some winners. And my pick that I hope will win something will be my favourite children's book of last year called The Bomb. That's my favourite too. It's a lovely book. I think I talked about that on the pod last year. So great. So yeah, yeah, check out for the winners because as I think we've talked about this before, if you're looking for any present for someone, the shortlist or the finalists are the go-to for Mm -hmm. this. Yeah, especially if you want to get like a present for someone who's overseas, like a New Zealand book. Mm Oh, that reminds me, I have some presents to buy. Um, (laughs) So yeah, this event is also open to the public. Um, so it's at 6.30pm at Temarai upstairs at Te Papa Tongarewa and yeah, it's $50 for a ticket. You can buy them on Event Finder. We'll link to it. Yeah, and for that you get to go to the event and then there's a drinks thing afterwards, which we all Ooh, like. Drinks thing? <laughs> yeah. That's what we're all about. Yeah. <laughs> a drinks and nibbles thing? We'll be there. Yeah. Um, cool. Um also, oh, I was just going to mention my Tracy Thorne interview. Um, everything about the girl. I think did I review her book? Another. I can't remember. I can't remember. I remember you talking everywhere. about it, but uh-huh. I don't know if it was to my face or if I was listening to you. I feel on like I've medium. spoken about it somewhere on some kind of platform. <laughs> anyway, she is absolutely amazing, and I interviewed her in last weekend's canvas. So that was July the twentieth, and you can read it online. It's behind a paywall. But some people have access to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yep. not one so of them. But people. Yep. People, and, um, people who support quality journalism. journalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, she spoke about punk rock and books and politics and boys and overcoming shyness. The first band that she ever sung in, the first time she sang with a group of people, she was so shy that she um, sung from inside the wardrobe because she couldn't bear anyone looking at her. Um, And look how successful that she came. Um, And she talked about growing up in a politically conservative environment. Labour versus Tories very much felt like punks versus squares, the kind of logical thing. And um, so many great quotes from her. So we can link to that. Yeah. Cool. And read her book, Another Planet, A Teenager in Suburbia. It's just this wonderful, heady mix of punk rock and hormones. <laughs> I love reading about hormones. Yeah. yeah. So we're on uh, book reviews now. So do you want to go straight into The God of, mm. yeah. of, of Small Things? Yeah, absolutely. So The God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy. Um, this is a book that I feel like everyone has a copy, but not all of those people have read it. Like and so true. Like the luminaries, exactly. And it's that whole Booker Prize sort of syndrome, isn't it? So, um, this I don't own the luminaries. But you've read it? No. Oh, you've got to read it. She hasn't won it. I can do it for a want. 
Anyway, so this book was published in 1996 and it won the Booker Prize, as it was then called, um, in 1997. And I think that is, that's what got it out into the world. And I think at the time there was a bit of controversy, as there always is, but it's now kind of universally regarded as a modern classic. And I agree. I, I do think that it is a really, really fantastic novel. And it's one of those things where I know that it was, it was on the bookshelf when I was growing up, but I just, I just kind of was like, oh, it's there. I can just read it later. Mm-hmm. And then just later never came. Mm-hmm. And now I just feel like such an idiot because it was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, it was not a difficult read. I actually mm-hmm. ripped through it. It's incredibly sensual and visceral. And it really – I should probably talk about the book. Sorry, I always get carried away. Um, so this novel, it's about a family – and they are based in um, a small village in Kerala in India and they own a pickling plant and they are a kind of bourgeois sort of old money family that's kind of deteriorating and they're living in this time of change where um, there's a lot of push and pull between sort of conservative values and um, you know sort of capitalist ideas that were imported colonially um, versus a kind of a Marxism and a communism that is actually also influenced by China. So there's a lot. I think that Roy really, she manages to convey, convey all these wider political kind of climates and ideas. She just really seamlessly integrates it into the story of this family who, you know, are kind of, they've got this beautiful house that's degrading. They live in this beautiful village with this beautiful river that, as the novel goes forward in time, becomes, you know, toxic and filled with sort of dead fish. And, you know, so it's a, it's about change and it's about, you know, ideas, but it's also about this family. And so the the main characters are two twins, Rahel and Esther. I don't know if I'm saying Esther's name right. I've been Googling it all morning and I haven't been able to find I think that's a right. clip. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see. Someone tell me if I got it right or wrong. Um, so these twins, they are separated by a really traumatic event when they're young and their cousin dies. Their mother is um, made outcast from the family because she has an affair with um, a man from an untouchable caste, um, which is just, you know, a really terrible thing to do in terms of like upsetting kind of the ideals of her family. It's just unforgivable. And so the family is just wrenched apart. But... Um, at the same time, it's very uplifting. At the same time, there is hope and redemption. But, yeah, just an extraordinary novel. I was just so pleased that, you know, I was prompted to read it by the event that yeah. I was going to go to. Yeah. And even though I didn't get to see her speak, it just felt I was just so excited. And it made me think that I want to go back and read some more previous mm. Booker Prize winners. And not, not necessarily mm. just Booker Prize winners, but, mm. you know... There are so many books that kind of fall between the cracks mm. that were so big at the time. I think there was an article about this in the New York Times recently. If I find it, I will link it, link mm, to please. it. All about kind of like revisiting the hit books yeah. of previous generations. Because I guess they could win, they could have not won at another time mm. period because a lot of these prize winners will capture a moment in time yeah. and what the judges are thinking about in their outside lives and... Yeah. And so I think any any prize 
could just have a new winner every time if, if a different yeah. set of judges or if, oh, even at if a it different was the same time. books that were in the running. Yeah. yeah. Or um, even like trends and themes and writing style as mm-hmm. well. Mm. Change. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's sort of about a two yearly cycle on yeah. everything that, you know, the same types of books come out. And you, everything you read, you're just like, this is like another. Blah, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely. Did, I did have a passage I was going to read from this book. Yeah, please. Please Because I feel like my, my review has been quite, sh- you know, snappy to thus far. So this is a passage that talks about a house that belonged to a man who's compared to um, Kurtz from Heart of Darkness. Mm. Um, and the house has been abandoned for many years after he was forced to flee um, because he was a bad man. So, the history house with cool stone floors and dim walls and billowing ship-shaped windows. Plump, translucent lizards lived behind old pitchers and waxy, crumbling ancestors with tough tough toenails and breath that smelled of yellow maps gossiped in sibilant, papery whispers. But we can't go in, Chaco explained, because we've been locked out. And when we look through the windows, all we see are shadows. And when we try and listen, all we hear is a whispering, And we cannot understand the whispering because our minds have been invaded by a war. A war that we have won and lost. The very worst sort of war. A war that captures dreams and redreams them. A war that has made us adore our conquerors and despise ourselves. And then I'm just going to let a little bit elapse here. Um, We're prisoners of war, Chaco said. Our dreams have been doctored. We belong nowhere. We sail unanchored on troubled seas. We may never be allowed ashore. Our sorrows will never be sad enough. Our joys never happy enough. Our dreams never big enough. Our lives never important enough to matter. Wow. And so I thought that was a nice example Mm. of, you know, how through the eyes of these children, we see these adults discussing, Mm. you know, the impact of colonialism, say, or you know, the continuing impact of communism in Kerala. So, yeah. She got. She was talking about at her session that she got a lot of um, <clears throat> flack for this book and some of the themes that it addressed. And yes. she referred to herself as the hooker with the booker. <laughs> ah, I love that. She is so staunch and just so, yeah, just cuts through any oh kind of goodness. crap. Oh, yeah, I, I heard it. Sorry for interrupting. But you're okay, I, Louisa. I was just listening to something where she said that someone was giving a shit. Yeah. I guess for being Indian and, yeah. f- and for talking about colonialism. Exactly. And they said, it's a tribute to the English language that you wrote your lo- novel in English. <laughs> it's so dumb, eh? So it's dumb. So dumb. <laughs> but I really want to read some of her political non-fictions. I'm just, yeah. um, my seditious heart, the big collection. Oh, I thought you were, a- yeah. <clears throat> I thought you were saying Not because mine. of your seditious heart. Um, yeah, I think that it's really cool that she talks about how she's a, she doesn't just write novels. She doesn't identify as a novelist. Mm. She's She writes in all sorts of ways. And, you know, this is her debut novel that I've just reviewed. And her second novel came out in 2017. Like so 20 years 20 later. Years later. Mm-hmm. And those have been her only two novels thus far. So it's a really interesting kind of life of being a, a person of letters, I guess, mm. is one way to put it. Not just a novelist. Mm. Not, a, not a novel factory, mm. as I think she Machine. put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, yeah. There, were there some terrible questions at the event? <gasps> Actually, yes. it was pretty bad. Really? It might have been um, one of the oh, worst no. sessions I've ever been to for um, 
oh, audience questions. It was pretty Correct. bad. Apparently some woman um, threatened to get up and urinate on stage and protest to the bad questions. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, they said, you know, like they always do, please make it a question and keep it brief. We don't need a monologue. The first guy that got up, I'm not kidding, he said, so this reminds me of the time that I read this book um, that wasn't one of her books. What? And um, people went, people groaned, and Paula Morris, who was chairing the session. Oh, she's great. She was like, no, no. And then he started doing it again. <gasps> and he just kind of kept going. And then my favourite bit was Arandati Roy was like, oh, sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. All I can hear is this echo. <laughs> I was like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sometimes oh I think when a woman speaks, a man of a cert that you can kind of picture. I'm mm. sorry if that's being sexist towards men, but um, not all men. They, they just don't. Um, they actually don't hear what you're saying. No, it's men just, don't. Yeah, it's like a mm. mute mouth. It's it's just it's, moving. It's yeah. like it's like your voice is one of those whistles that only dogs, dogs can, can hear. Yeah. <laughs> a certain frequency. Yeah. I can't hear you, lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they're already thinking of what they're saying anyway, so they're yeah. just not listening. They're already you. just waiting. They're not hearing you because they're waiting for their moment to say, I can't hear you. Yes. Speak when, up. When they say, so this isn't a question. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there were lines of people wanting to talk. I felt a bit upset because there were Indian people in that line who I felt like, might have had something really interesting mm. and good to say, but they didn't quite get their moment. So that mm. kind of annoyed me a bit. But, you know, I, I wonder if sometimes it's worth just not having... I mean, people can line up um, at the signing line and, and meet the author, mm. have their little moment then. But I guess people like an audience, don't they? The hard thing is is that uh, sometimes you can get real magic out of those yes. question, Q&A yeah. sessions. It's so ephemeral, though, isn't it? Yeah. How do you know? It can all just go downhill. Yeah, I would be okay with Q and A's being abolished across mm. all all events. Mm. Then you could just go get another coffee in between um, sessions as well, rather than race. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, if you want your moment with Anandati Roy or sign Richard, up, buy Richard a book. Dawkins, yeah, buy a book and stand in line. Yeah, then you've you've earned the yeah. right to ask a question. Yeah, you've yeah. paid your ticket. Sheer confidence isn't enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, it should disqualify you. <clears throat> but it was a great session, so yeah, thanks. Cool. I can't wait to see who they have next. Me too. And it was a great book, and my review is done. So thanks, thanks Louisa. Liz. Thanks, guys. Um, Onto th- your one. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm going to talk lightly, <clears throat> lightly about two different books, but you guys have both read the other one. Oh, which right. is cool. Um, first, I want to talk about this one that's getting so much buzz called <laughs> Three Women by Lisa Tadio. <laughs> okay, I feel like you've got something to say. Uh, it's published by Bloomsbury. This was on my TBR pile a few mm. months ago. I was so mm. excited to read it. I just was like, this is going to be the best thing I've ever read. I've been quite excited about this one too. And yeah. I didn't know about it until Jenna actually told me about it, and then you read it and passed it on to me. Yeah, I didn't even know yeah. how I heard about it, but I yeah. feel like I've seen it in like New York Times or something. Oh, or it's New Yorker. bloody everywhere, yeah. all over it is Instagram. Now, anyway. yeah. But I yeah. feel like we were quite ahead of the pack. So, yeah, I was January. My hands are yeah. on this oh, one. January. So, uh, 
In Three Women, the journalist, Lisa Tadeo, it's non-fiction, she interviews she interviewed three women over a period of eight years about their sex lives Mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah I was just expecting this really like meaty book (laughs) about female desire which is what it's sold as one thing which was a which was I didn't want from the book but it's not the point of the book is that I, I wanted more of an outsider's point of view which is not the point of the book, but so that's my problem. But what it is, it's written in first person, and so it's quite. In, it reads narratively, and you can tell she's interviewed these people so hard out. Like when you walked into the room, what did it smell like? Mm. What were you wearing? Mm. What color was the lamps? That's how descriptive it is. Mm. And she she interviews these three women: Maggie, who. Maggie is was a young girl at, in a high school who had a relationship with her teacher. Mm-hmm. And when she was about in her mid-twenties, um, she kind of like hit oh. her what happened. And this this is a case that was in the news, so you and can Google it. And she found out that other people had had an affair with the same teacher? No. 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 That's something else that I read about he, lately. Never mind. He won um, Teacher of the Year in a little late when yeah. I was, you know, an upstanding citizen. Everyone yeah. liked him. He was right. a family man. Yeah. Very right. respected. Was like, Sporty. He'd been having sex in the classroom forever. Um, yeah. There's a woman, Lena, who her husband refuses to kiss her. And there's just no, she's craving intimacy mm-hmm. and she goes and finds her ex-boyfriend from high school and they have this raging affair. And then there's a woman called Sloane who's, I fucking hate that name. Sloane, sorry. Um, Why? I can't help it. I yeah. don't get it. Why are people called Sloane? Sloane. Sloane. She runs a restaurant um, with her husband and they uh, have an open relationship but he also likes watching her sleep with other men or her recording it or something Mm. like that so that's her angle Um, so this is being described as a book exploring female desire like no other which I don't believe is true I I feel like I've read lots of books about female Mm. desire it was you know it was really compelling like I just read Mm. it and um I wanted to know what happened, but the whole time I was just thinking, why these three women? Mm. Why are these the women that she chose to interview? Which in interviews with her now is um, lots of people are asking her that, but I don't feel like she's really answering the question because she started off with 100 people and then whittled it down to these three. The three women, I guess guess the answer that I can find within myself is that their storyline follows a very similar arc. Yeah. And so it, maybe it makes for a better novel. Like a bit of trauma at the beginning. Yeah. But and, it's not yeah. a novel, right? No. No, but and it it's reads interesting like a that novel. you just said it makes yeah. for an interesting novel. So yeah, do you yeah, think that totally, maybe yeah. like some veracity <clears throat> has been, like some, some kind of truthiness has been sacrificed to the narrative structure of the I book? don't think it's not truthiness, but I just think I wanted some more. Like mm. I found the um, the conclusion more inter- interesting when her voice comes in and right. she explains a little bit of her process she explains a character that she had to give up that she was really sad about it was a black woman yeah. who um, would only sleep with white men all these women are white they're from oh, small town America Come on. Um, and so I don't know maybe eight years ago when she started writing that 
it, it kind of but makes that would sense have been unremarkable, I suppose. But, but I now just it's cringe. More. But I do feel like you should read it because I think, especially if you're interested in writing and investigative journalism, it's such a a different way to go down that that road. Yeah. And so you could probably learn from that. And there were um, there were lines that jumped out of me of real insight into how a woman thinks. I love this line. Um, when I think it's Maggie later on she's saying we don't remember what we want to remember we remember what we can't forget which mm. is just yeah but it's it's like kind of a light read it is, easy yeah. read but yeah, yeah. Did um, I explain that? Oh, right. Uh, totally. Um, can I say something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I found it extremely disappointing as a book. And I mean, we read it before that hype kind of started, mm. didn't we? And then it kind of started accelerating and we started seeing all these glowing mm. reviews. And I was kind of thinking, are people reading the same book that I just read? And I thought the recipe is really strong. Agreed. Um, but I think what lets it down is the poor handling of the source material and the way it's been shaped and framed. I would have liked more of a journalistic style. Yeah, yeah. It just felt novelistic. And it's kind of like fiction. To that end, to me, it actually came across quite caricature and a little bit cliched. It's quite voyeuristic. Mm. Um, and I actually read a quote um, saying that it's the in cold blood for women's sexuality. And I think that is such a far-fetched and preposterous claim. I really do. And also it was a Elizabeth... weird comparison. <laughs> um, and I'm it rolling was... my eyes here. I know. It was Elizabeth Gilbert who said that. And I was actually talking to someone about this book over the weekend. And just thinking and talking about it started making me feel really cross all over again about mm. it. Um there was a Telegraph review by Lucy um, Scholes, and she called it frust- frustrating. And she said, Three Women is a sort of real world Mills and Boone novel. And I kind of tend to agree. Um, that's just how I feel. I felt like it was a little bit trashy and a bit lightweight. And I'm not so sure that the truths are that universal. It felt quite narrow and a bit shallow. And she actually points out in her review that the only two cultural touchstones that she points out to Deo points out um, a Twilight and Fifty Shades Grey. I think that says it all. That's so boring. And she spent eight years on this book. And really, I just came away thinking, is that it? That seems like a wasted opportunity. Mm. It really does. But I think, you know, maybe... Some people, you know, I know some other people that have read it and they've really connected mm. to certain mm. plot lines mm. in it. Oh, totally. Um, it's so subjective. Yeah, I thought Sloane was definitely the least interesting Sloan. character. Yeah, it me too. The, um, Why is that? Why were we so... It's because she was called I, because, yeah, I mean, is it because she has more privilege than the other characters? It, it makes it a little bit... A little bit boring, a little bit detached, maybe. Yeah, I didn't warm to her, no. but I, I, they weren't. She wasn't. It wasn't written that I would want to to like. She's her. not a horrible person. No, and then I'm like, am I judging these women like other people judge them? Right, because that's about <coughs> what mm, it is mm. about. Is that these women are judged? They can be seen as slightly a, a bit sad, and and yeah, it's it's quite tricky. But it's, I think to really be part of the conversation, to read it, is the only thing that you can do. Yeah, yeah and, and there are certain people that I've been um, talking with about this book, 
and they're so interested in the fact that I really did not like it mm. and I just want them to read it so we can talk about yeah. it because I want to know what they think too. Um, yeah, yeah, so I was just... I, was, I just want to read it. Have, have uh, you read it? No. Uh-huh. I now want to read it because I feel, I feel yeah. left... I love, I love slagging on something. <laughs> and I was compelled to finish it. I didn't abandon it and I didn't throw it across the so room. So I think that's a strong... Uh, <clears throat> that's something. That's something, yeah. Because time is short. We've got to yeah, prioritise. We've got our TBR piles to yeah, read. Exactly. But, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I didn't Yeah, that's it. It's like, is that it? Why these women, I want more. It's just that style. I just wanted it to be a have a bit more guts. Yeah, and I just read this book, um, just a side note, Furious Hours by Casey Sepp, which actually, speaking of In Cold Blood, Mm. is about Harper Lee and the research that she did on In Cold Blood with Truman Capote. Mm. And I was like, this is investigative journalism. This goes into all these different roads of the history of life insurance, which is like the reason for these murders, and it's all these dorky... Um, contexts mm, of why mm. things are so I feel like this kind of doesn't have con- the only context it has is Twilight and <laughs> Fifty, um, Shades. Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. yeah what was that book called again? Furious Hours Furious by Casey Hours. C. I want to read that that's very much up I think you would like it it's it's super dorky investigative journalism and I was actually just talking to my friend who works in Massachusetts at a bookstore there mm. and he said oh she used to shop at his bookstore all the time she was researching it ah. there and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, great. Have I spoken too long about this? Because I just want to mention another mm. book. Because I feel yeah, like... Um, Please, yeah. And this is a book that you just told me you'd read today, Louisa. Yes. Have you read it? I've read it. I, I loved this book. And I didn't review it because I felt like it was like too much, too similar to other books I've been reviewing lately. <laughs> that's what so I really thought a little pleased. bit too. So like, this is, yeah. This is called Optic Nerve by Maria Gainzer and it's translated um, she is from Argentina Uh, I have a friend called Simon who's quite an intellectual reader and he was going through all these books that he wanted to read which are all the books Louisa have reviewed on the podcast which obviously shows he doesn't listen to the podcast how rude he's too too cool. Simon's too cool. Too busy listening to CDs in his car. <laughs> 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 it's true. It's true. Um, he's got he's got good taste in books, evidently, so, because his taste and mm-hmm. mine align. And so he should just be listening. So he messaged me and said he loved this book so much. So I thought I'd give it a go. It's only two hundred and nine pages or something. So I thought, yeah, that sounds like me. And this <laughs> is about a woman. It was about lots of different things, but this woman is in Buenos Aires and she's. She's she shows people around private art collections. That's how it starts Amazing. off, and uh, she through the book, she just talks about different artists and then kind of relates them to things that are happening in her life. But they're not really close things that are happening in her life. You know, she's married. You know, she has a child, but she barely even speaks. They're just kind of mentioned, but she mm. talks about different types of detail. And the artists that she talk about talks about, they're not. Um, oh God, I went to art school, but I didn't actually know who some of these people were. Um, I was googling the whole way through. Yeah, um, uh, Fujita Rosso, who I've heard of before, and mm. Sharavoni, like a lot of Argentinian artists. Mm. Um, and one thing it actually really reminded me of is Ashley Young's "Can You Tolerate This?" because I feel like she. Like one of the my favorite stories in Can You Tolerate This is 
Ashley Young is talking about a Japanese woman who's in a cave in Stuart oh, Island right. and she's, she's in hiding. And then she relates that to a time that she was at high school and she'd go and hide in the art room. And this book really reminds me of that because she links these, like, looking at an artist who went in hot air balloons and then talking about her fear of flying in the mm. same story. So it's just mm. these kind of tenuous mm. but not tenuous links. Um, the yeah, so art- her story is sort of told through the artworks yeah. her life. <laughs> But just kind of like little vignettes of her life. Like I think there's a scene where she remembers being a teenager um, on the beach and all the guys are surfing and she's just kind of standing there just kind of like in stasis. Yes. And she, I think she relates that to some painting of the sea by some French artist. Yes, and how then going into how he painted that and the story behind that. She's an art writer and this is cool. her first book. Can I read a piece that I actually read yes. out to Karen I was going to say, um, read Jenna read out a piece to me the other day and it just... I just have to read this book. Serenaded. Yeah, you, seem, you seem like quite excited about this book, Karen. I, I serenaded off. Karen in the in the office the other day. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every it. minute of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeats spoke of the Celtic twilight and warded off his melancholy by pouring himself into Greek translations. Dead languages have never been your forte, but you have other things, a manicure being the cheapest option you've come up with to keep your darkness at bay. And in general it's worked, helping you you to stay present, restricting your focus to that tiny portion of yourself. Nowadays, if you let yourself become distracted, if there's some pause in the application of the nail varnish, why lie? You're the very first to let ruins enchant you. Some days you are liable to be devastated by a broken nail or a cuticle that's ever slightly so big, or the nail varnish chipping and the cracks suddenly appear in the dam that keeps all of your sadness in check. Mm. It really stood out to me. We've been we talk about manicures all the (laughs) time. You guys are both like nail people. (laughs) Jenny, you don't have any nail polish on. What's going on? Are you okay? I'm trying to save for a house, (laughs) (laughs) and the nails have been the first to go. It's very sad. (laughs) Now it's only special occasions. Oh, you can do the home. Yeah. Well, oh, well, actually, what we're talking about is that we never have time to do it at home because it's really hard to paint your nails and then read, read a book. and do what, type mm. or whatever. Yeah. And you've got to let it dry between coats because you can't just have one coat. And I'm a knitter, so I just... Yeah. It's over. Well, I know someone who bought an at-home gel nails um, with, the, with the dryer and everything kind of set up. <gasps> the dryer and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we, we should maybe okay. talk about this yeah. off mic, but... Um, <laughs> So those are really long reviews, I guess, but um, if you like Ellie Smith, and then I brought this other book that it reminded me of. I don't know if you've read this, Louisa. Do you remember this? Um, The Missing Year of One, Jan. One Salvatera by Pedro Myral. This is a really wonderful Argentinian book about art. And it's about a man whose dad dies and he painted a new scroll every year and one went missing and he tries to find it. And so, yeah, these Argentinian artists, it just has led me down a little Mm. road and reminded me of this really wonderful book. You've got to read Clarice Lispector. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've actually put... I'll bring bring some for you. Thank you. Yeah. The Queen. The Queen. From the library. No, I don't, but I put Into the Distance with you on the library list, which is almost... Yeah, so... I just really liked that book. It was great. So thanks, Simon, for the good review, mm. uh, good recommendation. I'm going to read that book. I would love an illustrated version, just so I didn't have to put yeah. it, pick up my phone and Google. I it. was googling too much, and I was and I was getting kind of like yeah taken out. So yeah, I mean, but that would have been quite a lot of 
image permission fees to pay. Oh, I she guess so. Far away Imagine how eye. beautiful coloured images of those mm, paintings. Oh done my well. God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's expensive though. I don't think it's... What publishing house is it? I don't think it's like a big one. Like to do it in colour, that'd be expensive. Oh, so you know these insider things. Oh, now yes. I understand. I can, it's Penguin, Penguin Random House. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not not New Zealand though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the local publishing team here. <laughs> All right. Great reviews, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. Two Thank for the price you. of one. Yeah. And thanks for letting me get some things off my chest about I mean, we just had to me. talk about it. I know, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing your review time with us. <laughs> I was able to talk about how much I like this book without having to review it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually yeah. two for one, right? Yeah. Two for one and then two for one to, you know, yeah. we're all Yeah, we're all, we're all in it. It's a free yeah. for all. <laughs> we're all up in it. Yeah. <laughs> so the book I've got um, is Animals by Emma Jane Unsworth. It's published by Canongate and it was published in 2014 and I think or I hope it will have another resurgence now because there's a film adaptation that's just been produced and directed by Sophie Hyde and it's, it played at Sundance this year and it's currently showing in the New Zealand International Film Festival. Um, I really want to see the film. I really loved this book. Um, I'm sorry I don't have it here with me. I forgot to grab it. Um, I was searching for it. I believe it's a book. I believe you've read it. But it's just this debauched, energetic, wild bit of fun, and it's totally drenched in white wine. <laughs> um, it's the second novel from British author and former journalist Emma Jane Unsworth, and it's just this really beautifully observed and rendered account of female friendship. Um, Laura and Tyler are our main characters. And they're in their late 20s, early 30s, and they live in a grubby flat in Manchester. And their nights are just this kind of whirling dervish of fizzy wine and flat wine, city streets and really bad behaviour. It's really fun. And they're really bright girls, but they're not nice girls. And I really like how this book kind of explores and smashes through the expectations of how women ought to behave. Um, Catelyn Moran said of animals that it's like with nail with girls and I just Yay! really love that description. It's so on the money. With nail and I, I love that I film. love that film but too. But it would be better if it was women. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so this is the book if you like uh, with nail and you yes. want more ladies. Um, so it's harsh realism and it's gritty and it's grubby. Laura is this really super smart, wise-cracking, hilarious anti-heroine. And Laura is this brash, hedonistic American. And there's friction in the form of Laura's fiancé, Jim. He's an uptight concert pianist. And he becomes increasingly exasperated as, um, you know, Laura being completely untamable. He wants her to settle down and she just refuses to be a nice, polite girl. And they kind of muck their way through these mundane, dead-end jobs. But Laura's also working on a novel, and she's whip-smart. And the book is just full of laugh-out-loud humour. It's dry, it's blackly funny, and actually riddled with wisecrack after wisecrack. Um, I remember I just kind of felt a bit exhausted, <laughs> all these, taking all these wisecracks <laughs> in. But the dialogue is really crack-up, and under that veneer of hedonism there are these really well-handled and poignant kind of subplots. Laura's father's ill with cancer and there are these sort of themes of parental guilt. And there's this crack-up scene where the girls go to Tyler's sister's christening for her new baby 
And she's just settled down. She used to be one of their accomplices, but now she's a square. And the girls make this observation of their house. Oh, they don't even chill wine around here anymore. They put it on a rack. So you have to think ahead if you want to drink any. You know, the wine rack is this kind of symbol of adulthood. And it's just this really fun, boozy, sweary novel. And um, I really loved it. And the writing style is clean and breezy, and it's just such a hoot. When is it playing so at the fun. festival, is it? Well, Jen, I might need to talk to you about that. Oh, you might turn some away. <laughs> we can make that work. Oh, I yeah. don't know if we can. It's four o'clock on a Monday. Oh, let's get a little talk about oh, it. So. Yeah. Thanks, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's had a couple of screenings. Actually, the first screening in Auckland for this film was sold out. Really? Which is really cool to see. So hopefully it'll have a resurgence. Oh, I've got to get on to Bill. Booking my tickets. Mm. It's always so stressful. It is stressful. It's so stressful I have to tie my hair back. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. You know it's serious. I don't think I've ever oh seen that. Oh, my God. I've never seen you have your hair tie back. I can't even imagine it. What are you used to tie it back? Just a hair tie? A hair tie? Or what are you Or like one of those claw clips. <laughs> a sharp tooth Yes, yeah, scrunchy. Oh, what are, the, what are these people wearing these days, those um, swirly hair ties? What are they? Oh, I know what you mean. The swirly hair ties. <laughs> Yeah, it the, looks the, like yeah. a slinky. Yeah, or like a um, pigtail, like a like a small headband. No, okay. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> David Beckham, like. <laughs> yeah, and then I clip the fringe back. Well, I just can't even picture that. You should sell that for a, a picture of that adoption, Karen. <laughs> Make it. We'll put it on our Instagram. Actually, it'll go virus. <laughs> People would just be like, who is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, the film festival can be stressful booking tickets. <laughs> I only tie my hair back when I'm eating noodle soup. That's oh, that's legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I actually have another book. Can I talk about yeah. really quickly, like a half review? I'm just going to tell you about this book that I'm reading. It's called Murmur by Will Eaves. And I'm about halfway through it, and I'll probably review it on RNZ. It was originally published by CB Editions last year, but then picked up by Canongate, which is great. And I'm halfway through it. It's this really mesmeric novel where science and imagination intersect, and it brings together deep philosophy, maths, and the body. Mm. And yes. it's about exclusion. <laughs> Sorry. I'm see your face. Pulling a little face. Yeah. No thanks. I can't maths. even count, don't worry. Yeah, I can't I'm, count either. I'm so into this book. It's about exclusion and outsiderhood, and it's just this exquisite, intense immersion. And it, what it's about is Alan Turing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and cool. so it reimagines the inner world of Alan Turing, who was basically the godfather of the computer age. And he was a computer science pioneer, and of course he was sentenced to chemical castration after being found guilty of gross indecency for homosexual acts. So that's really upsetting. Um, Incidentally, around a week ago, Alan Turing was announced as the new face of the £50 note. Mm. Yeah, which is cool. Which is cool, but, you know, (laughs) what doesn't really make up for. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I wonder how he feels about it right now. Um, (laughs) And then also, he's the subject of the book I haven't read that's had lots of mixed reviews as Machines Like Me. Yes. um, By Ian McEwan. Yeah. Not even a patch on Will Eaves. This is the real deal, honestly. And the accolades for this book... Some of the prizes that really mattered to me. He won the 2019 Welcome Book Prize. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, which and is that's, that's for medical writing. Medical and um, medicine in literature. Ah, that's right. And it won the 2019 Republic of Consciousness Prize, which is the prize that um, is for small UK and Irish presses with fewer than five full-time employees. Oh, wow. That's so great. specific. That's that's one a great niche prize. That is such a good... That's a great um, niche name. It is a great prize, a shortlist that is always amazing. And it was shortlisted for the 2018 Goldsmith Prize, um, which was won by The Long Take mm. by Robbie, uh, Robin Robertson. And, um, yeah, that just rewards fiction. That breaks the mould of what literature can do. And so mm-hmm. I love all of those prizes. And, yeah, Will Eves, Murmur. I've heard him read from this book, and it is intensely affecting. He is so masterful. Um, so, yeah, wonderful book. I'll talk more about it somewhere at some point. Cool. That sounds really great. Wow. Where are we? Book reviews. So, so deep. The good thing we didn't have have too much book news. Yeah, Um, exactly. We are going to go on to our not book section, which can I say what we're thinking of maybe (laughs) discarding this? Yeah, Yeah, we're thinking of um, putting this on the... In the rubbish bin. I don't know. I was trying to come up with a good phrase. In the garbage. In the garbage. We're thinking of getting rid of this segment because all we do is read. And so it's we don't a bit of a have any. And I, I only watch The Bachelor. And so that's really all I want to talk about. Yeah. But I actually have two things to talk about. Oh, well, there you go. As soon as we get rid of it, I guarantee we'll all have something for mm. it. So yeah. we'll see. It we'll could see. come back by special, you know, if something's really worthy of yeah. talking about. Yeah. But I actually have two things that are really worthy of, of talking about. Ooh. And um, one is a TV show called Euphoria. Mm. Have you watched that, Tina? No. Ah. Oh. <laughs> it's so good. So it's a gritty and poppy tale of a group of teenagers. Um, it's set in current times. There's a lead character called Rue who is a drug addict and she's just come out of rehab and then she's coming back into school. The way that they set this up is that she was born just after September 11th, mm-hmm. so that shows she's completely a different generation to mm. me um, and this is based on an Israeli TV show but a lot of the story is the experience of the show's creator Sam Levinson um, when I started watching this I was like wow who are all these kids that I've never heard of and they're just new to the world and then I Instagrammed them and like the main character is this girl or woman called Zendaya and she's like 58 million Instagram followers oh. I'm just so disconnected from mm-hmm. this group of people but they're super cool um one of the executive producers is drake the opening scene has beyonce and it's like a huge poppy hbo show so there's a lot of sex there's a lot of uh, full frontal penises 30 ish in one episode Mm. um different ones and uh (laughs) it's so many yeah is there anything else in the episode or is it just like it's a montage (laughs) a penis Um, per minute yeah (laughs) Um, It explores gender, sexuality, violence, control, social media. Um, It has one of the most toxic and terrifying male characters I've ever seen in a long time. He's a teenage boy. It's really glossy and like, you know how everything, like lots of band photos at the moment have those kind of pink and purple lights? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of looks like that. Like a music video? Yeah. And and actually, um, I watched the sixth episode last night and they played the whole song of Small Town Boy by Bronsky Beat. (gasps) The whole song. Five minutes. And they're like climactic. um, I don't know that 
two thirds of the way through scene where everything happens. Do you know the music video for that song mm-hmm. has the most food I've ever seen eaten in a music video? Oh wow, so at niche. one point he's eating a boiled egg, <laughs> then he's eating an apple, and then he's eating a sandwich. So um, yeah, great. Great um, music video. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's a song that I knew in it, and I think maybe other people would know the songs in it, but I'm not part of that that generation. I just don't know what's going on. So, mm. um, the least you know about it, actually, the better. Mm. It's like super hyper up there. It's just so slick and cool and funny as well, mm. but scary. It's got all it of those. Sounds, it sounds awesome. I love that kind of. Because it sounds like it's it's young people, right? Yeah, and they <laughs> like, are getting up to some shit. Yeah. I, love, yeah. I, love, I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I really like it. It's great flashbacks. It's super cool. I heard um, David Shanks, the chief censor on RNZ Morning Report the other morning, and he was saying that this show, or he'd heard someone say that this show will make um, 13 Reasons Why look like a... <gasps> I did hear that yeah, too. Yeah, just like a walk in the park. Yeah. It's that intense and that it just shows the content that younger people are going to be exposed to. So, yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of, lot of sexting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, uh, a, that's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I would really recommend that. It was cool. great. And then for something that's a bit lighter and is on Netflix, it's a show called Blowing Away. I got recommended this twice in one day, Tina. I have to watch this. Sounds amazing. So away. Reality I don't know te- anything about this. Tell me. It's a reality TV show. It is elimination based. Each episode is 23 minutes and it's about glass blowing. Amazing. And it is fucking oh, amazing. I saw this come up on my Netflix and I was like, that looks dumb. No! <laughs> you have to watch it. Even my husband, Stu, who hates everything that I like, he likes <laughs> but he likes Euphoria. Um, he was like, I heard him say to our friend in the weekend, it's actually quite good. Oh, <laughs> high praise. Three bone there. High, high praise, praise from Mr. Um, Naysayer. But as someone who went to art school, I completely relate to the everything. It's it's quite funny. It's really fast. Cool. Um, really, really high stakes because it's glass and things break and explode. And it's all, you know, the, the, the science of glass blowing of getting hot to cold and they just have really good pop-ups of what things that they're doing out. Is I it did, British or American? It's American. Yeah. I think it must be filmed in Canada. It's very, it has a Canadian feeling but they mm. keep saying North America which oh, really means Canada. <laughs> yeah, it always means Canada. Yeah. Um, it, I must say it's not a very diverse cast which actually just shows the um, realities of like handcraft arts, you know, and the people who have in access. Western culture and mm. people who have access to that. And of course the really experienced people who have worked for 30 years are like mm. white men. Mm. Um, but there is this amazing character called Deborah who has this really blunt fringe and these giant glasses and if you've been to art school there is <laughs> at least two Debras in every art school. She's in her late 50s. She's like oh super serious, super feminist and she's always, yeah, she's so awesome. And they just have a challenge and it, it doesn't really have the drama of reality TV, mm. so it's not about the interpersonal relationships. It's just they don't have time for that. It's just about the work. You don't see that when they go home, they just come in, do the challenge, exhibit it. The judges judge it, and one wins, one gets eliminated, and then it's on to the next episode. I feel like so this is cool. made for me. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so good. And, the, and you were just like <gasps> watching stuff like, oh, my God, is it going to break? It's crazy. Okay, so here's my question. Yeah. Is the art that they make 
fucking hideous. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Because cool. this, because uh, I'm like, wow. this is, I just, I'm just curious. I'm mm. just curious. Like garish, kind yeah, of lurid. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing like real 90s, kind of like bright blue, like yellow bulbous. And blue. blue and yellow. Yeah. Oh, Acid yeah. yellow and yeah. royal blue, kind of. No, there's, you really see, and actually, and this is, I mean, the, this is the debate of art over since its inception, I guess, is concept versus technique. And so you really have that in there of these people that can make something that's really functional and beautiful and maybe a bit square and boring, or you have people that are making these crazy, like, making a a political statement. And so I love that that tension in that. that. Um, So... Yeah, it's so good. I loved it. I've watched the whole thing. Have you watched the whole thing now? Oh, and I didn't even look up the winner. Oh, and it was I loved just... Because yeah, I really, really loved good. the Great Pottery Throwdown. Oh, I haven't seen that. I think I'll love it. I just absolutely loved And it feels like a kind of similar thing. So much at stake, but also kind of like strangely so gentle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like the craft element. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, yeah, I minored in ceramics at art school. I was wondering mm. how they would do a ceramics version because it's like then you put it in the kiln for 24 <laughs> hours where and you go away and then you come back. you got to watch it. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah. totally going to watch that. Where glass is fast. And they'll make something and break it and then just make it again. Wow. Yeah. And this, I love the assistants when they're blowing and they're like rolling and they're having this poor assistant like <laughs> following these tubes while they blow them. It's really funny. It's good. Yeah. Okay. It's got Tina's seal of approval yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, Tina's watched it all for those who didn't hear her nodding before. <laughs> That's all. Great. Yeah. Thank you. I'm definitely going to check that out. I might. <laughs> you should. I'm just... not sold. No, I am sold. I am sold now. Trust me. Okay. I, trust I thought you. you'd be into this kind of thing, Lou, because we've bonded over like those weird arcane things that we like to watch, like the guy, the um, steeplechaser. Yes, did like the steeplechaser. No, no, it's more just that the this little the... thing about a steeplechaser that we really like. Oh yes. Um, yeah, we'll link to that. We'll link to it. Yeah, <laughs> we you don't want to miss out. We can't remember any more details, but it's yeah. about a steeplechaser. <laughs> what is that? You'll see. Um, <laughs> Well, no, literally the only reason that I saw it come up on Netflix and was like, that looks dumb, was because she was blowing some great big blue thing. I was like, oh, God, I can't. I can't with all the great big blue glass sculptures, chunky sculptures with acid yellow polka dots. That's oh, literally some, all that went through my head. Some things are ugly. I can, yeah. Some things That's that they okay. make I'm ugly. I'm okay with some yeah. things being ugly. I did but, watch Project One Way for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, but some things are amazing. You think, fucking hell, did they, how do they do that? And glass blowing is cool to watch. So mm, magic. All right, Karen, you next. <clears throat> oh yeah. So we're just talking about the New Zealand International Film Festival. It is upon us. It's making its way around the country. It's currently on in Auckland until the fourth of August. And the Russian filmmaker Andrei Tarkovsky. He is one of my favourite filmmakers. So I'm really excited to see the 4K restoration um, of his film Andrei Rublev. Um, it's one of his I haven't seen, and it's from 1966. And it's three hours long, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> I'm serious. Genuinely? Kind of, I just love that mesmeric slow cinema, and I sort of feel like two hours, it's either got to be three hours or four. You know, like you've got to go. <laughs> you guys aren't convinced, eh? No, it's no, just, we're totally. <laughs> it, you've got to be fully immersed. But anyway, this is basically a biopic of a 15th century painter 
of religious icons. But it's so much more than that. It deals with faith and humanity and cruelty, human cruelty, and creative crisis um, and negotiating that. But Tarkovsky was such a singular and uncompromising filmmaker, known for his completely sumptuous and expressive um, cinematography. There are these really beautiful long takes in his work and landscapes really beautiful. And he looks at the spiritual and the metaphysical. Um, he was also an amazing photographer. Um, and there's a book called um, Instant Light, Tarkovsky Polaroids. And it's just so beautiful. I really recommend checking that out. Get it from the library or something. Mm. But his films are just essential to be viewed on an immersive widescreen cinema experience and so I'm seeing this at the Mighty Civic which is such an Auckland treasure I'm really excited about it and Martin Scorsese was such a fan of Tarkovsky's he smuggled a print of this film out of Russia Um, and because there's so much um, it's his work is freighted with so so much politics I Mm. guess Um, Anyway, I've seen so many of his films, but not this one. So I'm looking forward to basking in that three-hour glory. I have been meaning to watch, I think, Stalker. Stalker. And they Um, actually played played Stalker um, at the Civic, I think, last year. I should really snatch this opportunity because, you know, I keep on kind of bringing up Stalker on my computer. You You should watch it. It's amazing. On some dodgy (laughs) streaming site. And then (laughs) I'm just like... It's all grainy. And and it's all grainy and the sound's (laughs) not great. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm so not engaged. I'm like immediately scrolling on my phone just because it's just like not... You know, with films with films like that, I really, really prefer to see them in the cinema. They made they were made to be, you yeah. know, uh, viewed that, and immersed um, ex- in that way. But exactly. Stalker's amazing. Exactly, it's um, one of my favourite films. Yeah, so hopefully I'll be able to maybe check this film out. This Andre time. Rublev. Yeah, mm. yeah. Cool. Um, I definitely always try to to see one old film mm. at the New Zealand Film Festival because that's such an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Kara. Thank you. R.I.P. Not books. Oh yeah, I haven't done mine. (laughs) Oh yeah, are you gonna do one? Ah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Oh, I was just gonna pull out one of my podcasts and talk about it. Yeah, one of the podcasts that I listen to. Um, It's a bit random, but um, so one of the reasons that I never have anything for not books is because I only watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Although you know, like. Even I am getting a little bit sort of tired of it at this Are point. You? Are you? Yeah. It seems like to be a new season all the time. Yeah, That's it's true. too much. I think it's just it's just overload. Mm. Um, it used to be you'd be waiting for it and, it and it would be like this treat. Anyway, for a long time I think that the most interesting thing about RuPaul's Drag Race was RuPaul himself. Not everyone will agree with that, obviously. And he's, he's had some kind of problematic moments um, over kind of like using the word tranny, which is like quite offensive yeah. and... You know, he kind of feels like he has the right to use these things. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about his podcast, which is called RuPaul, What's the Tea? T-E-E. <laughs> Love it. With Michelle Visage. I've listened to that. Yeah. And so I've actually been listening to this quite solidly for like a few years. <laughs> and I just kind of, I started listening to it because I was like, ah, ah, I need my drag race fix in this. No more drag race. And, you know, like I just kind mm. of wanted more of that. Um, but now I kind of listen to it as its own thing, which is basically these two people who have been in show business for a really long time and who are quite quirky and who just kind of talk about their lives kind of in Hollywood, driving around, kind of like what snacks they like, what eyebrow pencil they like. just And they often will have guests and they'll be really, really famous, famous people, but often, you know, 
someone who you wouldn't really expect. Like they had this woman who's a composer who's composed all of the kind of really, you know, arguably great, arguably really bad, you know, ballads of movies. So for instance, you know, Aerosmith's Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Like <laughs> she can, every song that you can think of that's in that vein, this person had composed it. And she was just talking about like what her life was like. She goes to the office, she writes these songs. She goes to parties. She's like, hey, Ariana Grande, I've got a song for you. You know, she's hustling. She's Amazing. selling these songs. And I just feel like it's a really, I'm not particularly interested in, you know, I'm not like a, an actor or anyone in showbiz, but like it is an interesting insight for me to hear these people. And they're also very kind of comic and their, their comedy is very broad and silly. And it's just a really charming podcast. I think even if you don't listen to, even if you don't watch Drag Race, it's actually just like these two really crack up kind of characters just chatting. It's a way it's to get a your, your um, like I do that with the Bachelor franchises that they have all the breakdown podcasts and you know yeah. how you just want more. But yeah. how meta do you get with like Instagram? Do you go follow everyone on Instagram for RuPaul? And- so the funny thing is that this podcast doesn't really talk that much about Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Um, I do follow a lot of the, I follow the queens that I like on Instagram or the ones who are good at Instagram. For instance, Jasmine Masters is someone who um, didn't do well on the show, but who has a really active social media presence mm-hmm. and makes all these really ridiculous videos. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's the same. I mainly do podcasts because mm-hmm. that's kind of like, another medium that are, yeah. is very, very easy to consume. Yeah. You can do something other else stuff. for listening. Yeah, yeah. But I don't like tend to like go deep on that. For instance, there's a RuPaul's Drag Race like um, Reddit page, which you could lose your life, you know, yeah. get sucked into it and just never come out again. But that's not really ever interested me. I'm not really that interested in the kind of gossip around, like who's done this, you know, who's done that. But I just like watching the show. Mm. Yeah, and... I think I need just a new reality show. I think I've been mm. I've been clinging to Drag Race because I don't want to commit to another reality show because I just know that again my life will be probably consumed by it. I think you need to watch Blown Away. Mm. That is your new reality <laughs> show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sure hope I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hear about it. Yeah, yeah you'll be hearing about it. Either way. Um, how much do we, time do we have? One hour. One hour. Oh, we've spoken for one hour. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's quickly do our to be read. Yep. Piles. Yeah. We're going to be real quick. I'm reading The Porpoise by Mark Haddon. I just feel like reading something that is by a man, actually, which I think <laughs> oh, Karen yeah. Osler, I haven't read. And that's something that's just like a straightforward story, just like a good read. I just want to mm. read. Yeah. Well, no, all of these other books I read are good reads, yeah, yeah. but it's just, like, effortless. And interesting. That's what I feel like. I've heard that this book has some interesting themes in it. Oh, well, it's not light. Incest. Yeah, incest, pedophilia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty light. It's intense, but it's just, like, A to B story. That's mm, yeah, what I feel yeah, like yeah. Right And now. it's, like, it's a novel. And it's a novel, yeah. and it's kind of, and it's by Mark Haddon wrote... Uh, Curious. The Curious Incident of the yeah. Dog in the Nighttime. So that's what I'm reading. Read 50 pages last night. So I just want to yeah. knock something off. Yeah. And But in my to-read pile from Bloomsbury is Year of the Monkey by Patty Smith, which Ooh. comes out in September. I'm so excited. But I imagine that's going to be meandering and... Oh, <laughs> meditative. Fault, meditative, I would yeah. say. <laughs> Yeah. So that, so, it's our genre. Yeah, I know. So the porpoise is just something in there bef- before I read that. Yeah. 
And I've just, Stu made me buy Rich Enough by Mary Holm in this, like, effort to save money. The nails were the first thing yeah, to go. Yeah, the nails were the first thing to go, and I'm just going to read that sometime soon. <laughs> You'll whiz through that. Yeah. That's all. Okay. So my to-be-read pile, um, I'm actually halfway through this book um, called Bleaker House, Chasing My Novel to the End of the World by Nell Stevens, and it's kind of a, a funny little memoir that came out in 2017, and it's about... Um, a girl who studies at Boston, Boston University creative writing and part of the course is that at the end of um, the course you get to go anywhere in the world for three months all paid for um, to write a work and people go to Rome, they go to Morocco, they go to Florence, they go to Paris and she decides to go to the Falkland Islands specifically <laughs> to a place called Bleecker island and there is nothing there and it is um elemental it's just snow and it's cold no one lives there there's no shops there's nothing and it's kind of about her experience um trying to write this novel set in the Falklands island but that kind of falling through and it ends up about her process and it kind of ends up as this really amazing memoir it's really really good really really liking it and um so I might review that on the next pod, actually. And then after that, I'm going to read Coventry, which is the forthcoming Rachel Cusk. Oh, exciting. Which is very exciting. Publishing in October by Faber. Art spans memoir, cultural and literary criticism, pieces on gender, politics and writers. I've actually been sitting on my copy for months. And I'm just sort of thinking, so I'm, I'm saving it for something. I don't know what, but I think it's time to dive in because I think she's kind of the kind of writer that is just like diving into ice. And that's kind of what I feel like at the moment. So mm. yeah. she's definitely a bit of an ice bar mm-hmm. for the senses. Um, okay, what's on my TBR pal? Well, I brought one book, but it was it was a bait and switch because I'm actually not going to talk about this book because I don't know anything about it. Um, but, okay, I'll just say the title. <laughs> it's, it's called Juliet the Maniac, and it's a novel, but it's written by someone called Juliet Escoria, so I think that there may be an element of autofiction in here. Mm. So did you just, um, you say you don't know anything about it, do you just pick well, it? Well, I say that, but <laughs> okay. of course I know all of it now. Um, I, I read about it, <laughs> yeah. Okay, you cool. know, and, and God knows where, God knows when, but yeah. of course I put it on my library queue, and then it turned up and I thought, Uh-oh. I guess I must have wanted this at some point. Um, um, ambitious, talented 14-year-old honors student Juliet is poised for success at a Southern California high school. However, she finds herself on an ex- increasingly frightening spiral of drug use, self-harm, and mental illness. That lands her in a remote therapeutic boarding school where she must ultimately find the inner strength to survive. And they're comparing her to Dennis Johnson and Joan Didion. <gasps> so wow. it does look bloody good. Um, However, I have not even cracked the spine. So the book that I've actually just started reading and I'm already halfway through is Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson, Mm -hmm. another big book of years past. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is the first time I've read Marilyn Robinson. I'm hugely enjoying it. It is kind of in the vein of like Carson McCullers, kind of like American um, women writers who write about kind of domestic and sort of outsidery sort of scenes um, very beautiful quite sort of bleak and austere maybe maybe a slight um, tonal similarity to Bleecker House in mm-hmm. terms of it's kind of you know just this kind of empty landscape just thinking of the cover of it it's got yeah. that sort of snowy 
yeah, that snowy kind Image. of nothingness. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, hugely enjoying that and looking forward to probably reading the rest of it when I get back, when I get home. Cool. Mm. Yeah. So a quick Great. read as well, which we love. Love a quick read. Mm. Oh, my God, what's on it? We have to bring this up, Jenna. What's going to be our next book club book? Do you remember? <sighs> the book club. You guys always have to bring up the book club. I, I'm sorry, Karen. I just I actually wanted to make you feel left out. <laughs> We've got two babies in our new in our book club in the sexy time. Two new babies in the sexy time book club, which doesn't seem not appropriate. Active mem- not, not active members, though. One, just, one's been coming. Yeah, one's been come. coming. Yeah. And uh, so we're trying to go for really short books. But I just really haven't had time to think about that. Cause Maybe you, we should do housekeeping. Oh, okay. Well, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Boom. Okay, well, we've decided. Hey, anyone who's in our book club, we just <laughs> finally picked the book. And all we know other than that is that Karen Das won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, Karen, you're always welcome. Oh, uh, thanks for throwing me a bone, she's Gina. Not, she's not welcome. <laughs> I'm not welcome. So that's us. Thanks for our ramp. Well, my listening to my rambling. Um, I feel like I just talked all the time in this no, podcast. This is it's great. Yeah, we couldn't get a word in. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, so thank you to Tina and the Matatuhi Foundation for your support. Check out this. Um, check out us on Instagram, Twitter, email, all of that stuff, which we put at the top of the top of the pod. And we'll see you in August. Yeah. Yeah. Takete. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.